So, as you all know, this podcast is all about helping artists strive for more in their art and businesses. So this week's episode is sponsored by my brand new resource that helps artists start teaching their own workshops. Hey, striving artists! Want to learn how to plan, promote, and profit from teaching workshops without the stress of having to figure it all out as you go? I've got you covered. I packed almost four years of teaching experience into my brand new resource, the Creative Workshop Launch Kit. It includes everything I wish I had when I started teaching. A step-by-step guide, a 50-page workbook to help you stay organized, and a pack of time-saving templates to make designing your teaching materials a breeze. Stefan actually used this guide to help create and plan his upcoming workshop, and now so can you. Head over to homesweethome.com workshop to check out the launch kit for yourself. Again, that's homesweethome.com workshop. Yay! Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast with me, your host, Lauren Holm. And Stefan Kunz. And this week, we are talking about something that we're all very familiar with. Sometimes we have gripes with them, but we are talking about habits this week. And, you know, we all set goals of I want to develop this habit or this habit or try to shed a bad habit. And sometimes you stay the course. Sometimes you fall off the bandwagon. I personally fall off the bandwagon most of the time, but we all do. (laughs) Stefan and I thought we would have an honest conversation about habits as they pertain to creativity because they are really important. Uh, We believe in building your creative career and, you know, staying the course. So Stefan has been reading a book about habits and we thought it would just be a nice thing to talk about in this episode. So you want to take it away, Stefan? Yes. I've been listening to this book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. I saw the cover book in a library and I just saw like really appealing to me. So I was running and listening to James Clear talking about all these things like how you create a habit, how you stick with a habit, how you get rid of bad habits. And I thought this is really interesting because this is something we all deal with. Like every year, like Lauren said, we set ourselves new habits that we want to pursue. And a habit is really effective when you don't even think about them anymore. When you, your alarm rings, you get up and you, the first thing you do is without even knowing is like, you're already on your phone checking Instagram and you don't realize that it's not, (laughs) maybe it's maybe not something you should be doing, but you are doing. And so creative habits is like creating habits that are, oh, I didn't realize that I was already drawing and doing this thing or that I have been been working on that all this year and it it has brought me somewhere else and he talked about a cycling team from from the UK that was like trying to be in the Olympics and the best bike manufacturer wouldn't give them any bikes to use because they thought they were so terrible at it so they had to come up with new ideas to to get better again and to be at the top of the game so the coach that took over he said, I just want to improve 1%, but 1% on every level, like the pedals, the hydration, the, the sleep, the, uh, what they eat, everything that has to do with the athletics. We improve 1% in every area, just 1%. They will be so much better than everyone else's. And it's happened to be true that they won, I think it was the um, 2012 uh, Olympic Games in London when they won most of the gold medals. And suddenly they were back on the top of their game. And just because a coach came in and just said like, we're not going to improve like everything by 50% or 100%. We're just going to do small improvements. 
but we're going to do them and uh, like on every area. And so what I want to start this conversation with is what are some habits that we already have? And, and we'll talk about our habits, our good habits and our bad habits, the habits we wish we had. And then we're going to round it up with habits that I think you should take on. And this is where we start. I love that. I think that's a really great story because it is like feasible. Like me, I always fall off the bandwagon because I tend to set too ambitious of goals for my habits. I'll be like, I'm going to stop doing this or I'm going to, you know, draw for four hours a day. Like I, I get a little bit too lofty with my goals. And it's kind of like <laughs> the first uh, metaphor that came to mind was it's like the advice people give about if you're trying to go vegetarian, I'm vegetarian for anyone who's listening. It The advice is you don't want to go cold turkey. You want to slowly transition to eating more vegetables and less meat, and then eventually you can go vegetarian with ease. And I think that, yeah, the 1% rule kind of applies to that where you're not trying to make big changes. You're just trying to do a little bit better, I guess a little bit better in a lot of areas or even just a couple areas. And that really resonated with me. I love it. What you said was really interesting as well. That's what James Clear talks about as well. Is like the mm. first rule is it's got to be easy. Like if you want to mm -hmm. do a habit, you got to make it easy. Like waking up and picking up your phone is not hard. And like you have this urge, you want to check like what's new, what have you missed during your sleep, and and like how many likes your last Instagram exactly. Post got. <laughs> like did you get more likes? Did you get more comments? Like did something like even checking your emails? Like did a new job offer come in overnight? Mm -hmm. And you have that itch that you want to scratch and and soothe. And so so that's why making it easy is super important. And what I've learned here, for example, is if if you want to go run, for example, and now we're using analogies and, and so you can transfer this in any way you want. But if you want to go for a run, the hard part is not the running. It's actually putting on the shoes to run. So if you make it a habit to to go home after work, and make it the first thing that you do is put on putting on your running shoes and just go out like the first step out of the out of the door is the hardest part to run everything else will follow and will fall into place and it's kind of the same thing is like picking up the like a pencil and paper and start drawing like just draw a first line even if you don't know exactly what you want to draw or if you have a quote or design or like image in your head that you want to draw and, and I've seen this today. So I was trying to do a chalk wall piece and and I've been trying and trying and, and not trying on the wall. I've been on my iPad, like drawing on a picture, trying to map mm -hmm. out everything that I wanted to do. And instead of actually doing, taking the first step and start drawing. And so this is kind of the, probably the first habit that I want to implement more is, is really to, to just start and don't think about it too much. Oh, that's such a good one. And that's actually, it's such a simple one, but it's so difficult. I was just going through this this morning. I had to do some rough sketches for a new mural that I'm doing. And I started on my iPad and I have this thing where I have a hard time doing rough, like loose pencil sketches on an iPad because I'm used to just being able to refine things and make things perfect and tweak them and nudge them. And so I actually turned my iPad off, put it away and just started sketching on paper and it started flowing so much better because I don't know, there's, there is something to be said about just, like you said, putting pencil to paper, mm -hmm. seeing what comes up. Like 
on my iPad, I started automatically, you know, trying to build out the layout, like with shapes and Mm -hmm. stuff. And then I was like, you know what, I should just draw the actual words and make a couple bad pencil sketches and see what happens. And I finally was able to solve it that way. But I think that that's kind of the, I guess, scary part about sitting down to draw. Like you said, the drawing's not the actual, like difficult part. Once you get into it, it's when you sit down to that blank page, putting down that first pencil stroke, the same way when you put on your running shoes to leave the house. Exactly. For creatives, we need to know our own tendencies and try to set the stage for us to develop those good habits or for us to get into the flow as easily as possible. And everybody's creative process is a little bit different. You know, some people, maybe it means you need a clean desk to actually get started. Maybe it means, you know, you can't have any notifications on your phone or your text messages. Like maybe it means there is music playing or there is, you know, a candle burning, whatever, whatever you need. I found that I've been trying to be more self-aware lately and pick up on the things that help me do my best work or it helped me do the work that feels mm-hmm. easy to get into. Do you have do you have any of those things for you? Like what are the conditions that help you get into your drawing and or creative flow? So I've been experimenting this this past weeks um since I've been since I've moved into my new office. Yay. I got a desk and and another second desk. And so I kind of moved two areas because that's another part that he he talks about as well. It's it's about like habits are location and device based as well. Mm. So, for example, for insomniacs, he says, if you can't sleep at night, the thing that they have to do is to get actually get out of bed and sit down on a couch or do something else. But like get away from that room, from that from that position and until they're really tired again and then go back to sleep because your brain will associate not sleeping with your bed. And Mm -hmm. and unless you untrain that you do the hard thing of like getting out of bed like going back to your living room and then when you're like really asleep go back to to bed will help you that the next time you go back to bed your brain will think oh you know what now it's time to sleep that's what I'm doing same thing with like going to sleep at the same time every day and waking up at the same time every day your your body will get used to this and just will do it automatically and you'll fall asleep faster and easier. At least that's what he says in in the book. And he has research to prove that. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, I, I said, all right, like, how can I apply this in, in my work? And so I decided to, to like have a dedicated space, like a dedicated desk for just drawing and a space for typing and like doing things on the computer. And Ooh, so I love that. The first thing that I do every morning is when I come to the office is to sit down at my drawing desk and then just draw and leave my phone, my computer and everything on the other desk and like not touch this. And then I won't get up until I'm done with my drawing. And I've like, I've, wow. I wanted to, to start drawing again. And so last week and this week, I, I posted about like five quotes or like a lot of quotes bundled together. And that comes only from actually saying, all right, I'm not going to seek perfection in the first piece that I draw every morning. But I want to sit down and I want to spend time, more time in drawing because that's been something over the last year that I feel like I've been drawing, but not as much as I used to. Like I used to draw eight hours a day and only focus on that and not on business, <laughs> not on emails. And and then suddenly like you spend like eight, 10 hours a day on emails and on on writing, on planning, on doing all the other stuff that you want to be doing as instead of being an artist. And so I kind of had to switch that around or at least 
make space again. And so that dedicated desk actually gets me into that thing. The thing that I do at the end of the night, at the end of the day, before I leave the office is I, cl- I clean out the desk. I make sure that everything is ready for the next morning, that when I come in, it's easy to sit down, to draw. And I even have a quote ready that I want to be drawing or like I just limit myself to this is the quote that I'm going to be drawing next morning, even if I don't feel like it, even if I feel like, ah, oh, I'm not sure if that's the right one right now. I just do it. And then like I, I can draw something else later, but that's kind of the first thing that I want to be doing. So that has helped me. And that's what I, I would say for anyone listening. Like, if you want to draw more, like if you can and have the space for that, like clean out your desk, like make sure that it's all clear and that the first thing you do and the only thing that you do at at that desk is is really drawing. And so that can help you a lot. That's so interesting. I've, I was working out of my home for the longest time. I think a lot of freelancers do. And it's really convenient. I love that like you can save money when you're starting mm-hmm. your business as a freelancer. But there is that little trap of your home becomes your workspace and it's really hard to divide your attention and your time. And having a separate workspace has been so helpful. And when I get into the studio, it's like, okay, this is my creative space. As you've probably seen on Instagram, I've like really decked it out. Like it's all pastel colors. I have a mural in there. Like it, it looks exactly the way that the inside of my brain feels like creatively. And that kind of helps set the stage for me to do work. But I love that you took it a step further in saying, here's my desk for like admin office business stuff. And here's my like space for just drawing. I want to give that a try. That sounds like a cool plan because like you said, we adapt and our bodies learn like triggers mm-hmm. and our minds learn triggers of like, this is my space for being creative. If you do that over and over again, it just automatically, you probably feel more creative in that space or more motivated. So I really like that. I also love the idea of setting the stage for the next day. I have heard about this technique, but obviously didn't implement it. But yeah, I had heard something similar about how at the end of your day, it's helpful to plan out like a couple things you're going to do mm-hmm. at the beginning of yep. the next day, just so you can have us have somewhere to start. And it resonated with me what you said, because having some of those things figured out in advance helps to knock down those barriers of, oh, shoot, what should I draw when I sit down? That's something that I teach like with my passion project students about how having a passion project is helpful because you have an idea of what you're going to make already before you even Mm -hmm. sit down and you don't have to be wondering every single time. There's an immense amount of creative energy and mental energy spent on figuring out what the heck you should even draw today. So having those things planned out for future you in like 12 hours is really, really helpful. It's kind of like, have you ever heard of the term mise en place for uh, chefs? I love it. Yep. It's like that. Yes, it's it's great. I'm not a very organized person, but I love the concept of mise en place. And for anyone who's not familiar with that, it I think translates in French to everything mm-hmm. in its place. And what that is is, you know, all the prep work that chefs will do before they even start cooking the dish. You know, you'll have your onions chopped here and you'll have your butter here and you'll have your flour measured out here and you have everything lined up, ready to go to make cooking as seamless and easy and efficient as possible. I love it because that, for me, the takeaway that I get from this is you really want to prepare. If you want to be drawing, you really want to prepare in advance. And it doesn't become just this thing of like, oh, you know what? I just sit down and I just do this and I'll see how I feel. And I feel that also makes a difference between a home cook 
and a professional cook. The professional cook will prep everything, will place it in, in, in all these containers and just like as soon as he starts cooking, he's like, boom, he's ready. He has everything around him, like has even organized where his like onions are and like knows exactly the 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 order of what comes in next. And if you do this as a creative, like mm -hmm. a good habit to have is sharpen your pencils. And I don't just want to say that, yes, you want to prepare your pencils in advance and make sure that they're sharpened. But <laughs> I, I usually translate that to your own skills. Like you sharpen your skills, make sure that everything you do, that you always tweak it, that you always make sure that it's, is, is really pointy and at its best. And, and that means that you keep learning, that you keep improving, that you're like... You love drawing with with pencils. Well, why not try using sharpies? Why not go with paintbrushes? Like trying to to sharpen your skills and and work on these just to improve them a little bit more. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with that, and it kind of ties back to the you know what improving one percent in a lot of categories. You just the thing that I need to have constant in my life is keep making sure that my creativity and my I don't know, even know how to describe it. Like my excitement or my spark mm -hmm. is always sharp in the sense of I'm a very finicky creative. I don't always sit down and want to work or want to make anything or I have a million ideas. And so for me, my sharpening my pencils is just making sure that I'm doing, doing things on a daily basis that spark excitement and joy and curiosity in myself. And that helps to keep my creativity sharp and helps to keep me motivated. It's kind of like a muscle. Mm -hmm. I, I, habits are very much, you know, like a muscle you have to keep exercising. And I find that action, even small actions lead to mm -hmm. more action. And that's, I think you and I would both say that that's a big part of, you know, how we operate as creatives and how we run our businesses is even if you're having an off day, like taking small steps or small actions helps to keep the momentum going. I think we both read the same book with the, um, the friction was that the friction thing the war of art yes he's talking about the resistance resistance not friction mm -hmm. so in that one is also just like making the difference between an amateur and a professional is kind of like a professional will always show up he will show up every day and will do his nine to five and even on those days where he where he doesn't feel inspired like he'll write and he will go away and know that he has done the work or he has put in the work it's sometimes it's not even about how good your your work is it's more about that you've done it that you've tried and same with the running the the trainer said when you like even on a terrible day or a day where it's raining or you don't feel like going out that's the most important day to actually do it because it's easy for everyone to run when it's nice and bright outside but on the day that you don't feel like it going out and just putting in the effort not like it doesn't have to be the best day it doesn't have to mm -hmm. produce the best outcome but putting the time in is so important. And, and I felt like this is something that I've been trying to relearn. Again, drawing every day, drawing a quote every day, trying something, adding something. And I feel like that's one of the, the habits I can probably be most proud of is I will always try to improve something every day. Like I, I've, that's how I learned latte art, like pouring in the milk every day. And even when it didn't work and like it didn't work for four months, until you reach that point where you're like, man, now it's finally looking like something and you're getting closer and closer. And, and there, there are days where it doesn't look like anything and there are days where it's just perfect. 
And it's not the good days that make it count, but it's like the bad days that you make them count or something like that. That's true. And I, I think the thing that came up for me is I had the same thing with learning how to bake bread. I, um, I love cooking and I would bake like, I guess they're called quick breads where you just use like baking soda mm -hmm. or baking powder. But yeast baking always really scared me because you have to let the dough rise mm -hmm. and punch it down and let it rise. And I would always mess it up. It would always fall flat. I tried it like maybe two times in college and I was like, oh, I must just be bad at it. But it was always something that had piqued my interest. So I took it back up last year and I finally mastered it. Now I can bake nice fluffy bread. But the first, you know, 10, 15, 20 loaves were not great. But after doing it over and over again, I would try it like twice a week. Mm -hmm. It I finally got a recipe down that I really like. And I think the thing about the latte art and the bread that stood out to me is it's easier to show up and fail over and over again or not be really good at something but keep trying yeah. when you're passionate about the subject, which is why I think it's the underlying cause of why everyone who's an entrepreneur or an artist will talk about passion being so important because I think that passion is the secret ingredient in getting you to show up mm -hmm. and stick with the yeah. habit because People are drawn to certain things for really no particular reason, but the things you're drawn towards are the things that are easier to form mm -hmm. habits around. I have realized I'm good at building habits in certain areas, but if I'm not interested or excited about something, it's so painful mm -hmm. to build habits in that area. I think one thing that I forgot when I first started freelancing or that a lot of people don't realize when they start freelancing is... When you are a freelancer, you're still going to have days where you don't feel like going to work, just like a nine-to-five job. I, I used to think that freelance was this golden ticket out of any of the you know worries or woes that I had with my full-time job, but freelancing is just a whole other thing, and it doesn't mean that you chose the wrong career. It doesn't mean that you're a you know, bad artist if you don't feel like doing the work, but when you decide to make art your career, you still have to show up and do the work, and I think that was something that I wasn't aware of when I first started because I thought it was going to be all like rainbows and butterflies <laughs> after I left my full-time job. But there are going to be, it is it is still a job sometimes. It feels like, you know, heaven sometimes, but also there are things that don't go your way or you have, you know, your downs too. And just knowing that it's normal and it's still your mm -hmm. job. And if you had a full-time employer, you would still show up even if you weren't jazzed about it. I think I had to start treating my freelance work and my own business the same way. And it really helped to ease some of that mm -hmm. stress. Yeah, I'm just realizing that now I hired a assistant who's helping Yay! me out and she helps out like three afternoons. And it's already Amazing. like takes away the flexibility that I had before, which is great as well. Like it has like it's positive and negative at the same time. I have to be there at the moment when she's here. So it just revolves around my planning like all right I gotta get my drawing done in the morning I gotta do this and this and this before she arrives and then I can give her this to do and and you realize like suddenly you go from being a freelancer who can just show up or not show up nobody cares to actually having mm -hmm. to show up when someone else is around and I and I just love that also I, I mean I have an assistant too it's I find that it's really helpful to have someone that I'm like physically accountable mm -hmm. to that I need to show up to the studio and get, you know, the briefs ready or stuff ready for her to do. And it's kind of like, you know, why people sign up for a personal yeah. trainer or go to like sign up, sign up for classes or join courses or go, you know, go to meetups. Because when you physically have to 
be there or you have to show up at a certain time, even if it was digitally, it helps with the accountability. It's like the, the thing that just came to mind was sometimes I'm like, oh, I really don't want to you know, do the dishes or clean up. But if I had friends coming to visit the next day, I would definitely mm-hmm. clean the house in preparation of their like arrival. And having another person in the studio can be helpful for that. At least I found. Yes, you like you said, you lose a little bit of the autonomy of, I don't feel like showing up till you know noon. But for me, because I sometimes won't show up till noon if I don't have anyone around, it's actually helpful to have that set schedule because I'm the kind of person who says like, oh, I wish I followed more of a routine mm-hmm. or I wish I followed you know, more of a schedule, but I don't really have a schedule. Sometimes I'll go to bed at 10. Sometimes I'll go to bed at 3 a.m. Like I'm all over the place. And I know routine can be helpful. I've just had a hard time forming the habit of forming routines. That is very meta. <laughs> but I, I was wondering, is it something positive or negative for you or like even just blank? I would say it's neutral for me. So Actually, the should thing is a good indicator. Anything that you've been saying, uh, you know, I should do this or I should do that, but you're not actually doing, you either need to, you know, outsource or kind of reevaluate, like, is it something that I actually want to do or is it something that I think I should do? And so for me, routines have never really stuck. And I've tried and maybe I just haven't tried the right way. But instead of beating myself up over that, which I used to do, I've now just taken the you know stance of, you know what, maybe routines don't really work for me and I still get the work done. And even if it's in a more haphazard way, it's okay. Like that's just my style and I've been able to still do all the things that I want to do without having any set routines. Whereas I have a lot of friends where routines really work for mm-hmm. them and order is really important in their creative process. For me, like if you looked at my desk right now, you might scream. It's so messy. And the studio gets really out of control sometimes. And that's just how I've been my entire life. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't actually bother me. Or it used to bother me because I thought it would bother other people and I should be clean. But this is what's worked for me. And I stopped apologizing for it. If I was working, you know, with a team, you know, of five or six people who had to come into the studio every day, then yeah, I'd have more incentive to keep it organized for them. But because it's just me and Crystal here, it's pretty manageable. <laughs> I I love what you said. Should is a good indicator. And I love also the, the what you said about like, I've stopped apologizing for it. And I feel like this is a good way also like talking about bad habits. And I just want to touch quickly on this. When I check my phone, I usually like end up on Instagram for way too long, like checking through comments, doing all this stuff. Like... 30 minutes, an hour, two hours. On Sunday, I was mm-hmm. ex- I was 11 hours on Instagram, which is what insane, which I am not sure. I I don't even know how I ended up being so long on Instagram. I know that I <laughs> did a live, screen, uh, live stream at, on, on this oh. day, but still, okay. it's way too much. Last year, during one of my Passion to Paid launches, because I was launching for seven days, I averaged that week six and a half hours on Instagram a day. It was basically a full-time job. Wow. Yeah. But that was obviously a you know very condensed period of time. I think my guess would be I averaged somewhere around two hours a day. Some days it's just one hour, 40 minutes. Like mm-hmm. today, it's only been 35 minutes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's 
sometimes you can just go a long time on Instagram. That is just It's insane. true. And I I, I want to say to everyone who's listening that there is no like terrible number. I would say that using Instagram intentionally, like if you're on Instagram for 11 hours because you're you have a specific goal or you're checking something or you're reaching out to people or you're responding to comments, that is like intentionally being on Instagram. If you were on Instagram for 11 hours because you went to go check a thing and then you just ended up tapping through stories for 11 hours, that feels much different than having mm-hmm. like a plan when you go yep. on there. So for me, again, I've opted out of feeling bad for how long I spend on there. If it's intentional, I have to catch myself though, you know, speaking of bad habits, again, checking your phone first thing in the morning, looking at a couple stories, but then getting sucked in and you know, 45 minutes later, I'm still in bed. That's not a great habit. But today it looks like I've been on Instagram for an hour and 23 minutes. Ooh. Yesterday was two hours and 45, but my weekly average uh, is, or my daily average for the last week is only 59 minutes. Wow. wow. It's been a light. Actually, you know what? I will say the last couple weeks have been light on Instagram. I've just been like enjoying my summer yes. and trying not to check it as often. And things ebb and flow. Like I go through intense Instagram usage periods and then I give myself a break and I don't worry too much about, you know, oh, it's been four days since I last posted because, you know, I'll post something when I have something to post. And I was just talking to Crystal about that this morning. I feel like there is kind of a shift in social media attitudes Mm -hmm. now where we've all acknowledged that, you know, we're paying attention to likes and it sucks to have lower engagement and we put too much self-worth into our, you know, social media posts. I feel like there's now a shift away from that obsessiveness to like, you know what, I'm going to post stuff because I like it. Engagement is important in some sense, but it's not everything. I'm going to take a break. Like it's a really, I think, healthy and refreshing perspective on social media that we're moving towards, hopefully. Hopefully. No, I like it because that kind of leads me into, I want to say next week's topic, Mm -hmm. which is disappearing the likes from your Instagram posts. Is it a good or a bad thing? And I want to talk with you about that (laughs) in the next episode. But for now, Ooh, that's a good one. That's a juicy one. That's a really one. juicy one. But for now, I want to kind of round it up with the good habits and the bad habits, the whole creative habits episode here. And I want to say we talked about slowly easing in into things like not just try to do everything at once, like start with one thing, maybe another. Then also just start. Don't overthink it. Just make it easy for you to get started without having to mm-hmm. overcome too much at the same time create space for the activity that you want to do. So in that sense, like if you can just grab a desk or even for reading, if you want to read, like get a chair where you can only read, that will already help. Like as soon as you sit into that chair, it's like it's a reading time. For me, it's been like getting coffee in the morning will trigger the reading thing. Mm -hmm. Then sharpen your skills, like try to always work on on improving something on making yourself better. Doesn't matter really what it is that you want to do, but just try to 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 work on whatever you are doing right now how can you improve it and with the example we talked about in the beginning with the one percent like try just a tiny tiny little bit and that will make a big difference and if you do that every day just one percent that can already be like 30 percent at the end of the month that is yeah i mean that's very true too because it's in the short term it's hard to see 
the long-term gains from all those small Mm -hmm. little actions or small little improvements. But I mean, that's the only way you get better at things. And I was thinking the other day, I've been working on a little side project. It's what I do for fun, like creatively that doesn't have to do with lettering. I've been trying to paint dresses. Like I've been buying dresses and trying to paint patterns on them with fabric paint and they take forever. And I was like, huh, like what if I only make one of these per year? And I started to feel discouraged because I was like, oh, it's so painstakingly slow, but I enjoy it. And it like takes my brain off of work. But then I thought about it and I was like, wait, what if I painted one dress per year for the next 40 years? How cool would that look in 40 years to have 40 hand-painted dresses? It would be insane. And I think it's important that we all remember that perspective of you might not reap the benefits right now or you see the bigger picture, but if you keep doing something, even if it takes a long time or if it's really slow, if you keep doing it over and over again, you'll see big results You know, at the end of that time. It just takes a long time to accumulate. What is that quote about the day that you plant the seed is not the day you eat the fruit? I think that's really important to remember. One thing that I hope you all take away too is that some of your bad habits – Try to reevaluate too if they're actually bad habits or you could just start to accept them and embrace them and use them to your advantage or build like a strategy around that. Mm -hmm. Um, So just for all, especially for those of you like most artists who are self-critical, take a step back and see if there are, there's a positive spin you could give to your bad, perceived bad habit. Is it actually bad in your life or is it bad because you're worried other people will perceive Mm -hmm. it as bad? That's something that's helped me over the years too, to just step into who I am and what my creative process is and be unapologetic about it because there's no, you know, one way to get from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. There's hundreds of ways. Instead of trying to correct everything that we are we don't like about ourselves, trying to see what is what we're really good at mm. and trying to improve that instead of trying to focus on on changing what we can't do. But instead of focusing on that, like seeing like I'm an amazing illustrator and I should just draw and I don't care if I'm too messy right now like focus on your strength not your weaknesses that's what I want yes to say. it's like you know I love that it's like I don't care if I'm too messy right now it's actually not a problem to me mm-hmm. or you on the flip side you could say you know what I'm a badass illustrator and I really hate cleaning so I just need to hire a cleaner for the studio that is also exactly. a potential solution exactly Thank you guys so much for listening. Be sure to tune in to next episode where we talk about likes disappearing from Instagram. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Striving Artist Podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, please feel free to share it on social media. It would help us a lot if you could also rate, review, and subscribe to the Striving Artist Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and or SoundCloud. This also helps us in ranking the show and would be greatly appreciated. We would love to hear from you via email, DM, or even voice message on Anchor. We'll see you in the next one. Bye.